some days, seven days seems really, really short. And other times it's like, man, when you look at it a day at a time, it can really go really, really slowly. Maybe you've had some bad days uh, this last week, or maybe you've had some good days. I don't know what a good day looks like for you. Maybe a good day for me would be, you know, I get up and I head to work and it's a perfect commute. There's no frost heaves, you know, there's no traffic. Maybe I could take the motorcycle. I haven't done yet th- that yet this year. Get to work and the meetings go real well, you know, and then maybe even by like 10 o'clock or something like that, I'm hungry for a snack, go over to the vending machine, put some money in and three, three musketeers come out at the same time, right? That's like a good day. Or maybe you've had a bad day this week. Yesterday morning particularly um, wasn't all that bad, but a light post at the end of our picket fence uh, got hit by a snowplow or whatever, and it was rotted. It fell over. So finally it's spring a little bit, doing some spring projects. So I go out, and it has an outlet on the post, and it has a light on the post, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I got the parts and all this kind of stuff and started putting it together. And I was smart enough to turn on the, the light at the end of the post, you know, and I see it's on. I go down the basement. I flip breakers, you know, and it goes off. So I'm like, good, I'm good to go. I go out there and start working. Well, the outlet's on a separate breaker, so, needless to say, standing up to here in wet slush and touching that outlet with my tools wasn't, like, my favorite part of my day yesterday, right? So, but you have good days and bad days sometimes in the same week. We're going to think about a week now in the context of the Passion Week. Last uh, week, if you were here, Drew had the, um, talked a little bit about Passover. You know, for the Jews, there was three really major holidays. So for us here in the United States of America, we have Christmas, Thanksgiving, and maybe you're going to throw in the 4th of July, right? Our three major holidays. Well, the Passover was one of their major holidays, right? Drew explained last week that that was their escape from Egypt. They did the Passover lamb over the threshold, uh, and God and Moses led them out of the country of Egypt. They also had the Feast of the to worship God, and they were also had Pentecost, which is when uh, God gave them the law. Eventually, it's kind of cool. We, we think now in the New Testament of the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and he replaced the law. But they had those three major holidays. We're talking about the Passion Week here in the context of the week of Passover. Historians tell us that during Passover, Jerusalem would go from about, at the time of Christ, would go from about 40,000 people to over 200,000 people. And that was because if you lived within, the law said, if you were a Jew and you lived within a a certain amount of miles distance of the city of Jerusalem, you were supposed to travel there for the Passover week. So, of course, many of the Jews did. So it went from 40,000 to over 200,000. The traffic going into into Jerusalem had to be awful. You know, it'd be as bad as trying to go over to Kank on Columbus Day, right? I mean, it's just, it's a major holiday and all this is going on. Um... The Bible goes on and talks about Passover as like there being great crowds there. When we're talking about Palm Sunday, they talk about great crowds. I'm going to show you two things that I brought with me today. One was, and I'm going to put these on the back afterwards. One is I got this handout. It actually came from the Word of Life website. But it shows every day of the week of Passion Week, right? So a lot of us don't take time to think that on Sunday, Christ has the triumphant uh, entry. And on Thursday, he's betrayed, and what days things actually happen. Now, I'm going to put this in the back. You can grab one on your way out. But what I, what I, want, I want to point out two things on this handout, right? Number one, it has each day of the week. And then also down at the bottom, it has what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John said about it, like a parallel. They call it parallel scriptures, right? You could read on that day what Mark said about that day. You could read what Luke says about that day. You could read. So it's called parallel scriptures. Now, there's something also down there that says... Um, 
the days of the week. And when you think of biblical days, it's a little different in that the Jews used a lunar calendar. We use a solar calendar. So down here, there's these little hyphens for, you know, what day of Nisan it was. Now, Nisan isn't a car. Nisan is the month that the Jews were talking about, right? So if you think about it this week and you want to take one of these, you don't have to. I'll have in the back. I would encourage you each on the day of the week that you're at, maybe perhaps for your daily devotions, just read through those passages on what Jesus did that day, right? We're talking about an actual literal week, just like we're going to live, right? An actual literal, literal week in the, in the life of Christ. Second thing I'm going to put out there, and I only have one copy, so if you're interested, just flip through it, and then if you want, you could take a, if you need the website, you could take a uh, picture on the front. This is also from Word of Life. Um, as you know, many of the students, many of the kids here, uh, my son, Eunice, everybody has had a chance to go over to uh, Word of Life. This, they do something really neat right now, and there's so many great biblical um, resources on the internet right now. There's a website on the front of this, but Word of Life does something where they take actually a course that you, the students would sit through, and they put it free online. So they happened to post, just this last week, the Passion Week of Christ, and when you go to that website, you can either watch the videos or you can read the notes. And it has, you can print out the entire notes from the entire class. I don't see how that's not cheating for the students. But you can print out all the notes. And it's actually kind of interesting to flip through. So that's something um, you can do as well. People do very different things for the Passion Week. Some people will fast. Some people will do special prayer. Some people will, um, you know, have services every, every day during that week. I encourage you to do something specific for uh, for the Passion Week. Let me describe to you for a second. Think of this. Join, join me on this little journey of how important the Passion Week is in the life of Christ. So if, you, if we take our Bible, right? Let's imagine in between my hands here, I have my Bible. Boom. Every page of Scripture. When we look at it as trying to, you know, find chapters and verses, we would divide it in half and we'd have the Old Testament and New Testament, right? We all know that. If you take then the New Testament and you divide it again, you would have the Pauline epistles, which are the letters to the churches. You would have the book of Revelation. And you'd eventually get down to the very first subcategory would be the Gospels. The Gospels we know are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So those were the four disciples, four of the 12 of Jesus' disciples, who wrote about the life of Christ. You take those four authors, those four books, and you actually end up with, we now divide them into 89 chapters. As we know, when the writers were uh, writing, they didn't say, okay, John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, right? It was divided later. But you have 89 chapters in the four Gospels. Four chapters of those 89 have to do with Christ's 30 years. Think about that for a second. 89 chapters in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four of them have to do with the birth and the first 30 years of Christ's life. That's all. Then, that leaves us then, 85 that have to do with his three and a half years of earthly ministry. So, from age 30 to 33, basically, his earthly ministry, starting with the uh, miracle of turning the water into wine and ending with his ascension, is, um, 80, is 85 chapters. Out of that 85, think about how important the Passion Week is, 29 have to do with Passion Week. So out of 89 chapters that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote about, 29 have to do with the Passion Week. If you were going to sit down and study the Passion Week in detail, you'd be at it for a long time, all those 29 chapters. But now we're going to focus 
on the day, the day of Palm Sunday. So the Bible talks about this being six days before the, um, six days before, uh, the Passover. Give you a little bit of history in Jesus Christ's life, because it's hard to understand a day if you don't understand what happened before and what happened after. John chapter 12 is our text for today, but in John chapter 11, we know that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, I always knew that John chapter 11, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead because I grew up in a Christian house, uh, went to Christian school, went to church, and sometimes, it, you know, a teacher, a Sunday school teacher or whatever would say, okay, as soon as you tell me a Bible verse, you can go have your snack or you can go do whatever. John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept, right? That's the shortest verse in the Bible, right? John chapter 11, verse 35. And why was Jesus weeping in that instance? It was because he heard of the death of Lazarus. He had heard Lazarus was sick. He heard Lazarus died. He wept. He went to Lazarus and he raised Lazarus from the dead. In the context of John chapter 11, it's the first time that we see the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin specifically wanting to kill Jesus. It says at the end of John chapter 11 that they set out in motion then the the plot to kill Jesus. As a matter of fact, they don't just decide they're going to plot to kill Jesus, you'll see after Palm Sunday or during Palm Sunday, they said, well, we got to kill Lazarus too while we're at it. But they set this plot to kill Jesus. Jesus has changed the water. Over the last three and a half years, Jesus has changed the water and the wine. He's healed the blind. He's healed the sick. He's done all these earthly miracles. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. And they're like, okay, The great crowd is now following Jesus because he raised Lazarus from the dead. That's John chapter 11. As you enter John chapter 12, right before the beginning of our text, we see that Jesus had left because of the pressure from the the Jews. Jesus had left Jerusalem and went out to an area called Perea. Not Berea with a B, but Perea with a P. Little village of Ephraim was there. And he had left Jerusalem and he went out to Perea because of the pressure from the Jews, right? They're starting to plot to kill him. But the Passover is coming and so he's going to travel back to Jerusalem. And he actually predicts his death with his disciples. They don't understand what's going on. But he travels back to Jerusalem and it says this great crowd is coming with him, right? Because all these, let's call them spiritual tourists or this human caravan, right? Is heading towards Jerusalem because they're required to be there. It's going to go from 40,000 people to 200,000 people. So Jesus is going along with this great crowd, and just before he gets to Jerusalem, he all of a sudden goes off to the side, and some of the crowd follows him, a lot of the crowd follow him, and he goes to Lazarus' house, who he had raised from the dead the chapter before. And it says he goes to Lazarus' house because Lazarus was going to throw a party, basically, in his honor. Well, there's a biblical principle, right? Listen up. If somebody raises you from the dead, throw a party in their honor, all right? So if that happens to you, get it to happen, you know? Um, So he stops by at Lazarus' house, and he sees Lazarus. Martha and Mary are there. Martha's serving the meal, and everything's going on. Mary, we know, takes this expensive perfume and puts it on Jesus' feet and wipes his feet with her hair. One of Jesus' disciples says, Why are you wasting that perfume? That's worth a year's wages, is exactly what he said. He said, why are you wasting that perfume? And the Bible says, the person who said that was Judas. 
And Judas didn't say that because he cared about Jesus or he cared about Mary or he really cared about the perfume. The Bible says that Jesus said in John, in, uh, John chapter 12, right before our passage starts, that Judas said that because he was the treasurer of the disciples and he would help himself to it every once in a while. So he's like, man, I'm not going to get my cut out of this. And Jesus turns to him and rebukes him, rebukes him publicly and says, the poor you're going to have with me often, I won't always be here, to paraphrase. He rebukes Judas. It says Judas became bitter. That's on Saturday. Guess what happens on Thursday? Judas betrays Christ for 30 pieces of silver. See how the, see the context of this Passion Week right now? See why the disciples spent so much time explaining the Passion Week of Jesus Christ? So Jesus leaves Lazarus' house, and he keeps heading towards Jerusalem. Man, there's this, like, anticipation, right? Drew read in Psalms chapter 118, it says, This is the day. They actually say during Palm Sunday while they're waving the palms and while they're laying down their coats, they exactly say what David said. This is the day. Did you ever ever have a day you were super excited for? Man, as a kid, right? It's Christmas. It's like, this is the day it's going to happen. You have a wedding coming up, right? This is the day it's going to happen. It's an exciting day. So all these people, this anticipation has built up over three and a half years of Jesus Christ's ministry. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He's got all this this human caravan coming into Jerusalem. And here he arrives. Now, there's something special about the day Jesus arrives into Jerusalem. Something special about Palm Sunday. We see it now as Palm Sunday. In the Jewish calendar, pre-Christ's death, this was the exact day that they were supposed to go out into their fields and they were supposed to pick the Passover lamb that they were going to use at the sacrifice. Isn't that amazing? That the day that Jesus Christ, Palm Sunday, as it was known afterwards, that, that um, Jesus Christ comes in to Jerusalem was the exact day they were picking the lamb that was going to be sacrificed for the Passover. Now, this day was predicted by Daniel. If you wanted to take the time, you can read volumes about uh, Daniel's prophecies. And in there would contain that you could do this mathematical uh, calculation on numbers of days and the weeks of Daniels and all this kind of stuff. If you want a book on it, I'm sure I can find a book on it for you. Math worked for me, but whew, man, it's like way up there. But it gets to the exact day in March that Jesus is coming in for Palm Sunday. Obviously, in our, t- our um, text here, that there in the middle, it says, um, Verse 14, it says, Jesus found a young donkey, sat on it as is written. Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See your king coming, seated on a donkey's colt. That's an exact quote from Ezekiel chapter 9. Ezekiel predicted this um, day as well. Think about what is there at those, that day. 200,000 people. Jesus coming in on this young colt that he had had two of his disciples go and find. I don't know who the two disciples were. I don't know if I wanted to be one or not. Uh, hey, uh, uh, Judas, go, yeah, Judas, go get me a, a donkey, will you? Um, but they go and get this donkey. Jesus gets on it. He comes down through. There's 200,000 people there, and they're waving these palms. Now, you guys in on the back table, and if you have one, we got these palms uh, today, you know. Um, I was talking to Scott Bartlett before the service, and he said, oh, when I was a kid, we got the whole big 
rock or whatever, the whole big branch, you know? Well, they don't grow palms like they used to 100 years ago. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, in the, we were talking a little bit, and in the, in the, it's referred to as the high church or the traditional church, right? Um, where, you know, like the Lutherans, the Catholics, where, you know, I wouldn't be standing up here in, in jeans and uh, this shirt. I'd be standing up here in, in clergy garb. And, you know, the children would have the big, big frocks. And do you know what they, the traditional, we'll call it the high church or the traditional church, does with those palms? What, somebody had the answer earlier today. Um, they actually burn them at the end of the service. And it becomes the ash for Ash Wednesday is what they do with the palms that the kids in the traditional church will have um, today. But there, there's, Jesus is coming in. There's this whole anticipation. If you would read in Luke uh, tomorrow, if you read that little schedule that I, that I gave you, um, if you read in Luke, it, Luke says that the city of Jerusalem was stirred at Christ's coming for Palm Sunday. Because this whole caravan of people is coming with him. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He did all these miracles, right? And it's a holiday, right? This is exciting stuff. That same word that Luke uses for stirred, that Jesus Christ, when he comes to Jerusalem, was used before when Jesus Christ came, but it was used at his birth. Luke uses that same word when the wise men go up to Herod and the Jewish rulers and say, we see a star in the east. We know that there's a, a king of the Jews who has been born. When that news got around Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, right? Because this is a day. They think there's a day. They, they know there's a day coming when someone is going to save them. So Jesus is coming in, 200,000 people. Plus, he's coming in with this great caravan. They have, he's on a donkey. They're waving palm branches. They're laying down their coats. They're saying these things like, this is the day. They're saying, Hosanna. If you don't know what Hosanna means, Hosanna means save now. It's a throwback to the passage that Drew read, Psalms 118, where, Jesus, where David said, this is the day. He's predicting this exact day. He said, this is the day, Hosanna. Save now. What were those people anticipating? They were anticipating Jesus as the Messiah, as the King of the Jews. They're waving their palms. They're putting down their coats. Jesus is riding, and they're saying, today's the day. Save now. There's all this anticipation. The, the city stirred. This is like a celebrity parade. Now, let's look at that. That's kind of the events of the day. Let's look at the people who are there, right? First, you have the disciples. The disciples, and I'm, when I say the disciples, not talking just the 12 disciples, but the true believers in Christ. They are truly worshiping Christ on Palm Sunday. They see him as the king. Now, the Bible goes on to say that they didn't understand the events of Palm Sunday till after Christ ascended and they were given the Holy Spirit. Because I think they were, too, also looking for an earthly king. I mean, if somebody can raise Lazarus from the dead, certainly they can overthrow Rome and save us, save now. Um, the other people that were here, were the, that were there, were the people who heard of Jesus', resur uh, Jesus resurrection of Lazarus, right? The Bible actually says that in Mark. It says, a great crowd followed Jesus because he had raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean... This isn't news you hear every day. 
So there's this great crowd of people um, who are there because they're following Jesus, and I feel like they're following Jesus for what he can do. He's, maybe they were there when he fed the 5,000. Maybe they were one of the sick or the blind that he healed, or they were there and watched it. And maybe they even saw it said a crowd was there when he raised Lazarus from the dead, and Lazarus came walking out of a tomb. But they're there for what Jesus could do. So they're the, you know, we'll call them the witnesses of Lazarus' resurrection. And they're waving their palms, and they're laying down their coats, and they're welcoming Jesus into the city during this most exciting week of the Jewish calendar. Then we have the religious leaders. Now, the religious leaders in John chapter 11, if they thought they had an issue after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and had a crowd following him, they really have an issue now. Right at the end of our text, the Pharisees and Sanhedrin actually get together and they said, what should we do now? The whole world is following him. Cephas is recorded in the Gospels as saying, Cephas is the high priest, so the leader of these, of the religious leader. Cephas is recorded in the Gospel as saying, as actually the first one to come up with, well, if the context is of the, if the whole world, the whole Jewish world starts following Jesus, we're going to have a problem with Rome. And Cephas says, well, it'd be better for one person to die than for the whole nation to perish. He had it exactly backwards. But he's the first one who came up with, oh, well, let's do this plot to kill Jesus because this whole Jew, the whole world is following him. So the disciples are there worshiping God. The people are there, and they're the spectators, and they're there worshiping. And then you have the religious leaders who are sitting there and are being skeptical. And now they know they must kill Jesus. Um, then we have Jesus. What about Jesus himself? If you would look in Luke chapter 19, as Jesus comes into Jerusalem for Palm, for Palm Sunday, the Bible, Luke, records again that Jesus wept. Jesus is coming in for his triumphal entry and Luke chapter 19 says that as he looked over Jerusalem and he's entering Jerusalem, Jesus wept. The great crowds are getting ready for him. 200,000 people. I'm sure he could hear, he's sure he could hear the uproar already. Jesus is coming, right? You could see it, you know, Twitter's not available. So everybody's saying, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And nobody had to explain who Jesus was after three and a half years of miracles. Jesus looked over Jerusalem and he wept. He actually did a prophecy, right? He knew that by the end of the week, those crowds that were waving palms and laying down their coats would be those clenched fists saying, crucify him. He knew that the hearts and minds of the, of the Israelite people were not ready for a spiritual king. They were more welcoming a physical king, which is easy to say. I can't blame them, right? Hey, overthrow Rome. Save now. You raise Lazarus? Do more miracles. I ate that wonderful food at the feeding of the 5,000. Can you do that again? We want you to be our earthly king. But Jesus knew that he wasn't coming to be an earthly king. 
His kingdom wasn't of one nation or one set of politics or one location or about feeding people or about raising people from the dead. His was a spiritual kingdom. So as he entered Jerusalem, the Bible says in Luke that he actually looked at Jerusalem and he wept. And he says, because of your unbelief, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. He actually predicted something that would happen about 35 years later. He said, not one stone will be left upon another in the temple. We know now, looking back at that, that that occurred in uh, 70 AD. The the emperor Titus from Rome got so fed up with the the rebellion of the Jews that he came in, he sent his soldiers, and they wiped out Jerusalem. Christ said that was punishment for missing that this is a day not of a spiritual kingdom. You're thinking of a physical kingdom. When Titus sent his um, uh, soldiers in, interesting fact, the reason Christ goes on and says, not one stone will be left turned upon another in the temple. If you've ever seen the, the wailing wall is the only thing left, it's like a retaining wall at the temple. But if you ever saw um, what Solomon's temple would have looked like, right, and the size of the stones, you're not talking like one stone like this. You're talking one stone bigger than a large truck or suburban, Right? that they used to build the walls of the temple. And when Titus sent his uh, Roman soldiers in, the Roman soldiers were paid by what they looted. And as they burned the city, the temple actually burned as well. And all the, all the artifacts, all the religious things that the Jews had set up in the temple that were gold melted. And it ran down in between the rocks. And so what did the soldiers do? Boom, get rid of those rocks, right? There's gold in there. Not one stone was left upon another because Jesus, as he entered for Palm Sunday, saw a celebration, but he still wept because the people, the average person who was there worshiping was looking for a physical kingdom. Remember, it's Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. On Friday, Christ is crucified. Good news, over the course of a week, think about your week, over the course of the week, by next Sunday, he's risen. The most exciting news of all, he's risen. Now the apostles start to see and the disciples start to see the spiritual kingdom. So think about yourself for a second. Which one of those three types of people are you really? And which one of those three types of people are you going to be throughout this week? It's easy to say, oh, I'm the disciple of Jesus Christ who's worshiping absolutely. Uh, You know, all week long, I just am focused on my Christian life. And now, do you think if I would have been a newscaster, let's just say, back in the days of Jerusalem, and I would have went up to the uh, Apostle Peter on, there's this, you know, big celebration going on. Everybody's cheering for Jesus. And I would have went up to Peter and said, hey, uh, <clears throat> Peter, uh, give me quick words on uh, the, what's going on here today. And he'd, you know, describe what he's seeing and all this kind of stuff. I'd say, um, any chance that you won't be on Team Jesus right before he's crucified and you'll deny him three times? Of course not. So it's easy for us, even as disciples, as true disciples of Jesus Christ, to go through our week and all of a sudden realize, have to do a little bit of a spiritual check to realize we're not quite where we need to be. Also, maybe there's a piece of us that really desires what the great crowd wanted 
from Jesus, the physical things, right? Man, Lord, my life would be so much easier if, you know, the frosties would just go away. Or if, uh, you know, I don't know, the electricity wasn't still turned on on the outlet I touched. Or, you know, the bulk of the people who are there waving their palms, branches, and laying down their coats wanted those physical things. Hey, you raised Lazarus from the dead. Any chance, uh, you know, someday, you know, yeah, raise me from the dead too, you know? I don't know what they wanted, but they wanted the, they wanted the physical things, the earthly things. And I know as I go through my week, sometimes it's awful easy to get focused on the earthly things and not the spiritual things. You're also going to run into people this week who are downright skeptical. This is one of the best weeks, the Passion Week of Jesus, and also I would say Christmas is one of the best times to, to share the gospel or share what you believe with friends and coworkers who are skeptical. I will certainly, most of us will have people who we just, you know, kind of mildly rub shoulders with this week. will say, hey, what you doing for Easter? Well, do you just be like, ah, just give the, give the party line. Eh, we'll have an Easter egg hunt. Eh, we'll go. Whatever. Or are you going to say, Easter, that's one of the most important week days of the year, and here's why. You're going to run into those skeptics. So think about that this week. Remember, I'm going to put these things back on the, uh, back, on the back table. If you want to grab one, you don't have to read it. As they say, sometimes one of, the, one of my favorite speakers over at Word of Life, his name's Erwin Lutzer. He's a, he's a pastor at the Chicago, and he, in Chicago, one of the biggest churches in Chicago, he writes a bunch of books, and he always says about his books, he's like, you don't have to read these books to get to heaven, but why would you take the chance, all right? So, so you don't have to do this and do this, you know, all week long, but you might find it worthwhile. As I was thinking about, as I knew I was preaching on Palm Sunday, as I was going through my week, it's like, oh, I didn't just read that. It just take me, take me 10 minutes to read each of those verses. And what did Jesus really do? It's really more cool to do it on the actual day, hundreds of years later, of when the events happened. Monday, Jesus did this. Tuesday, Jesus did this. Wednesday, this happened. Thursday, this happened. It really get your heart ready for uh, Easter. When? Best news of all, we don't need an earthly parade because he's risen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to just get, man, just the slightest glimpse of Jesus Christ's life and this important week of the Passion Week of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that we're the people who are there worshiping you in spirit and truth as you Come into, we welcome you into a, a spiritual Jerusalem in our own hearts and minds. May we have that focus during the week. And Lord, most of all, we thank you that next Sunday when we celebrate together, we can celebrate that you are risen. In Jesus' name.